You're listening to a DM podcast. Welcome to Over the Back Fence. I'm Di Edwards. I'm Nicola Dale and we're buddies of nearly four decades and yes, we actually do happen to share a back fence. We do. <laughs> we love parties, people, inspirational stories and honestly, making the most out of life. <laughs> so join us as we open our hearts, share our stories and hear from some of the most inspirational people in the world and have a laugh <laughs> along the way. Yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy. <laughs> Coming up next, we have the remarkable Aminata Conter-Bergere. Many of you may know her from her compelling book, Rising Heart. We just wanted to give you a quick warning that some of the subject matter may be confronting for some of you. However, saying that, this is a must-listen-to, powerful chat. Tune in to the very end and you'll be blown away, just like we were. Well, here we are, another Monday. And uh, so, Jody, so what's been happening on your weekend? It was a really unusual weekend. Mm. Reason being, mm. for the first time in my life, mm. I went to a movie on my own. <gasps> yeah. Love that. Yeah. And Go so girl. it was a 5 p.m. time slot. So I walk in and I was running a little bit late. And honestly, I got the giggles because the cinema was dotted just with single people. From, from the right down towards the screen to up the back. And I was like, oh, feeling right at home here. And I sat down and film was fabulous, whatever. And look, honestly, I walked out and then there was this place opposite with great music. And I thought, oh, I love that song. So I walked over, someone's chatting and someone's buying me red wine. I'm thinking, wow. I got out and thought, yeah. no, I'm not going to not go because I don't want to go by myself. Yeah. So I ended up having the best night. But the second night was very different. <laughs> <laughs> say just on that day I'm really proud of you for doing that because it sometimes takes some courage just to actually go to places on your own when you've come oh, out totally. of a long-term marriage and you've come out and then you're used to either 34 years yeah then to actually do these first steps and then just do it without sort of feeling odd that you've actually and it just becomes normal and it's like a self-care self-love and why not so true it's so well that that came to the fore. Go I you! Went, I had a great time. Yeah, me myself. I nice. got a tick. <laughs> well, she had the best. I'm loving myself. Sicko. She had the yeah. best date, yeah. didn't she? Did you have a little fight with yourself, or what happened? <laughs> well, no, I wasn't arguing with anyone about the choc top or the popcorn. It was all mine. And then on the Saturday night, um, I had a bit really busy day on the Saturday, and then I put this tanning lotion on from my neck to my face because I'm going to this wedding because it's winter here in summer over in Europe. And I thought, I'll test that out on my face because I've never done it before. I said, I'll go to sleep now. And I went to sleep and I woke at 11 o'clock with a swollen, massively swollen tongue. And it was like almost cutting off my airways. Oh, that's scary. It was really frightening. I'd not had like an allergy to anything before. And then I rang my brother lives up the road, poor thing, 11 o'clock at night. And his wife's a Cairo, and she's going, oh, my God, it could be a stroke. And I'm going, what the hell? <laughs> you know, so it was like mad. Dash yeah. the house. I'm going, oh, my God, this is all madness. But- so what swollen tongue? Are you <laughs> telling me you weren't doing some pashing? <laughs> I reckon. <laughs> Don't you I really it? believe it. And so the doctor Spray says, and on what's the face? issue? <laughs> I've been overpashing. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, it's all like, on the tongue, isn't it? That? Isn't it the best? <laughs> yeah, so it took all, all night to go down, but it, 
Jeez. <laughs> All night Sounds long. Sounds like we're talking like Viagra. But no, seriously. <laughs> well, don't you've had quite an eventful yes, weekend. Yes, it's Gee. been mad. And what makes, about you? Makes mine rather boring no, after that, too. Mine's actually totally mental. We're talking about movies, yes, and I yes. highly recommend it if anyone's – it's the Nike movie Air. Oh, so yeah. Have you seen it? I loved oh, it. it's brilliant. Oh, yeah. Isn't it? Viola I loved it. And yes. Chris yeah. Walker. Oh, yeah. And inspiring. inspiring. Yes. Yeah. So that was sort of like a bit mm. of a highlight of the weekend. Yeah. And then it was just a bit of fam time and yeah. walking the dog. And yeah, it was good. Yeah, really, really, really good. I really enjoyed that film. It wasn't as eventful mm. as your tongue passion. Oh, no, no. Sorry, spray tan. Spray tan. Spray tan. Spray tan. Okay. Well, yeah, that film got me, though. Just never give up. Never give up. Well, I'll tell you what. If you believe in it. Saying never give up. Guess who we've got here? Somebody who never gives up. The ultimate inspiration is. I've got to say that we are absolutely thrilled to have Amanita. Conter Bajer, the beautiful lady with the most beautiful smile, mm, positive so attitude mm-hmm. and courageous heart, join us at our back fence. Mm, no. Amanita was Welcome. born in Sierra Leone, West Africa, where she was raised and educated. And at the age of 18, you were kidnapped, imprisoned and suffered the horrors of abuse and rape by rebel soldiers during the 11-year civil war. And subsequently, you were released in the year 2000. Amanita became one of the first Sierra Leone refugees to be settled in Australia. And I've got to say, what a gift to us. You know, how lucky are we? And you know what? You're a real change maker. You're an author of a wonderful book called Rising Hearts. I actually listened to the audio and it's brilliant. I highly recommend it. You're an inspirational speaker. That's where we first met you. Um, you're a performer, got a passion for fashion, you've modelled and catworks, you've been seen in glossy magazines. You're a proud wife and you're a proud mother of two beautiful children, a boy and a girl, and the founder and CEO of the Aminata Maternal Foundation which improves the health and well-being of women and children in your motherland. You're a special representative for Australia in the United Nations High Commissioner of Refugees. And in 2021, you've been recognised with the Humanitarian Award. So it really is an honour and a privilege to have you join us today so let's welcome. Amanata. <laughs> welcome, Amanata. Yeah. Thank you. Thank it you. is a privilege. I'm yeah. really excited. Very what honored a, to be an here. Intro. Like <laughs> to actually sit there as a human being to hear that in reflection. That's just <laughs> must feel remarkable. Like yeah, seriously. I, I feel blessed to be able to do it. Uh, to be able to contribute to humanity. I think that's the when one can be of service, I think that's pure a pure blessing. So yeah. I wish more of the world had that attitude. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. Do you know I think I'd like today mm. I think it's a really good place to start if you don't mind, is just sharing with Nick or I and the listeners about Firstly, your beautiful experience in a really loving family, mm-hmm. moving to being kidnapped by the, these rebels and being held hostage. Could you just share a little bit of that story with us so we can integrate that to where we're going to head today? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So I grew up with my father, who I believe is the most incredible human being that ever exists. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Sierra Leone, West Africa, and I, I grew up with four siblings. I think the way I put a setting of the way I was brought up is my dad was incredible protective of his daughters, his children in general, but especially his daughters. And that's very rare in in where I come from. The boys were more 
given more things and more privileged than the girls. My father did it the opposite way. And he Less. wanted us mm. to um, know our values before we leave home so nobody can tell us who we are. And, um, He's got goosebumps. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Education it's... was so important to him. He knew that if we are educated, we will be able to live any part of the world and we will be able to provide with or without men. But also at the core of that, he wanted us to value another human being. The way you speak to a beggar, is the same tone you speak to the person in the mansion. So those values were the things that he really left us, left with all his children. We're nine. All of us live in um, every part of the world. My brother's in Holland, in the U.S., and I have a sister here. And we, we've been able to live in, in a really joyful life and satisfied life and knowing who we truly are. Wow. Even sometimes when we can have a doubt, at the end, we can look at it ourselves in the mirror and know that, yes, something was left in us that we can pass through our children. So that was your starting point, which is just sounds mm. like a beautiful place to come from. Amazing. And then moving on to, I mean, it's it's almost too hard to even fathom the yeah. death of emotion. I was emotion, just going to say, is it must yeah. be, I, I sort mm-hmm. of feel nearly bad when I'm asking you some of the questions. Oh, I, yeah, I, you know, I know. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. Does it trigger emotion? I mean, yes. yeah, so it's sort of sharing it again. It, it and, does. It does sometimes, but I think I have put my story there to reflect a reflection of other the other girls that were kidnapped that will never be able to tell their story. So mm. again, the way I was raised, that prepared me for when mm. I tell my story. So I don't feel any kind of trauma because I know my story and I'm not afraid of my story and I know it's mine. The bad, the good and everything in it. So what happened to me was horrible, but... I have become the person I am today because of my story. Too. Wow. Well, so, what a, what well a gift from yes. your father to yes. instill that in all his children that's it's given remarkable. you the courage mm. to sort of, with all the things that have happened, give yeah. you that strength. So was everything was sort of going okay? Everything yeah. was, was beautiful. Everything was yeah. beautiful. I, um, I think yeah. the reason why I, paint my, I put my story in that form yes. because most of the time with stories from war, people just think about the war, not mm. how no. the life that they lived. Mm. But the war had been going for 11 years and it, we lived in, in the city, the capital city, Freetown. And it was just a night where we just heard this noise. It felt like the rebels have come from the cloud and just fall on the ground, meaning that they've been in the city, but we don't know they've been in the city. And I remember looking at the window and we just seen houses being burned and people being burned and just seeing the horror of it. And it was just one day after this has been going on for weeks, they asked everybody to come out of the house. And my dad had Parkinson. And we came out of this field where there were thousands of people who had been living in our, in our home. We didn't know that. And when we stand on the field, um, I was holding my dad's hand. And How old were you? I was 18. Right. Um, I was holding his hand. And then we just thought they were going to kill us all. So mm-hmm. I think my dad not letting go of my hand and me holding his hand was more we were ready to go together. And then I saw um, just one of the rebels looked at me. But when he looked at me, I knew straight away he was coming for me because we knew the story. It was not foreign to us. It, the war had been going for 11 years, and we knew that they were kidnapping young That's girls. That's how the rebels were operating. Yes, yeah. they were kidnapping mm-hmm. young girls. So the moment he looked at me, in my brain, I'm thinking, I have to walk away because... My dad, if anybody know anything of him, is how he's protective of his children, mm. his daughters. So when he said, you come here, I just let go of my dad's hand and walk towards him because oh. I knew 
if I didn't or my dad had to fight, they would either um, give me a gun to kill my dad or they would make my dad. You read the whole thing. Yes. And so I just, just that, and it was the first time ever to feel like I can protect someone because all my life I've been brought up being protected. 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 So you protected really well. Yeah, and I walk towards him and I did not look back at my dad's face. How I, I, brave. And for me, that was the most... And what did how, they yeah. do? Like, where did they take you? My life for those several months was just in a bush, running away or running from government. Yeah, and my first experience was being raped by seven men and then keep uh, get up and then start to run again. And then you're running between bullets or bombs or dead bodies. So it just, that was, it was never nonstop. It was just keep going and going and sometimes we'll not eat for weeks yeah but your mind is just in you don't know if you have a minute no you don't know if you have any so in that moment if you can eat if you can breathe oh i'm alive so you're just like it really was just yeah one of the most vicious vicious time and just seeing the horror and then not even have that thought to think why me because by the time you think why me you're you're down so how did you eventually break free from i always say my life is a miracle it's Mm. because we run out of food and medication and it was the first time the government and the rebels came into an agreement so the rebels will release some children and then the government will give the rebels some medication and food But I was not meant to be in that group at all. I was not meant, it was just children that were supposed to. And my kidnapper, um, Darami, was very, very obsessed with me, thinking that I was destined to be with him because when he first raped me, I was a virgin. So they always think a virgin is, that means they're destined to be their wife. Yeah. So he was incredibly obsessed with me. So in my whole group of friends that were kidnapped, I was the least, you would think, that will be released. And I remember telling my friend Frances, I said to her, I think I'm going to go with the children. She looked at me and she cried and I cried because I don't know why I said it. But the moment I said it, Darami had fired about seven or eight shots under my feet because I keep running away from him. And he was angry when he did it. So he walked away. So the moment he walked away, he said, go wait for me on the other side. I walked to the other side and then one of the rebel who was the most vicious looked at me walking and he said, do you want to go? And I, I could not believe because he wow. had done something horror to me the night before. And I just shook oh. my head. But he was, it was almost, I always say every human being is born with goodness. Even though this oh. guy was so oh. evil, because he had hurt me, he felt there was a time I saw that shame because he has hurt me the night before. It was clearing his shame for what he did to me. So then when he said, you want to go, I just nod my head because I just thought, no way he's going to do that because I know who he, I know his reputation. And I was gone. The miracle. Whoa. I was One gone, yeah. So I was released. I was on television. I was giving a, a letter to give to the government because I was the oldest with the children that was released. So I was, we properly, it's like one scene that you see in a movie being exchanged with the international soldiers and the rebels, we walking in the middle of the street and there should be no gun shot. If there was, we will become the, the casualty. Sometimes I don't believe it's, it's true. It's I don't un- believe it's true, yeah. yeah. Wow, it's incredible yeah. how also you, it's like, you know, saying really manifesting, but I'm it's like you speak yeah. those words speak of what's those going words, to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And it did. And it did. 
And aren't we lucky as Aussies to get yes. you? Yes. <laughs> so what was the transition like when you, you've come to Australia yeah. and with Pigeon English and well, what was it? Australia, like? Australia had unbelievable. <laughs> Australia was very interesting because I've never heard of Australian before. My dad had and I had a... Uh, a choice to go to the U.S. and Canada and the U.K. And I didn't want to go to the U.K. My older sisters were there. I wanted to start fresh. And I remember at the U.N. office, because my case was treated very differently, and I said, what is that place? And he goes, Australia. I said, you don't want to go there. It's too far. Wow. <laughs> and then I, and I look at him and I'm like, I want to go there. But because, again, my case was that serious. So he's like trying to beg me not to go because of the trauma that I've mm. gone through, that it would be mm. too lonely for me. Oh. And they tried to convince me to go. This is your destiny. Yeah, yes. and I go like, no, I'll go there. And there was no community here. I was part of the first refugees, so no one knew or what recognized me. What year are we talking me. about? Two thousand. Oh, in two thousand. Okay. Yeah, during the Olympics. Unbelievable. I just oh, yeah. have to say, and it's it's mm. not really funny, but I just have to bring it in. When you sort of think of our challenges of going to a movie by yourself, we yeah. think that's really big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here you yeah. are after that going. It's just it's the world's apart, isn't it? Can't even yeah. take it yes. on. Yes. Yes. Just, you really yeah. can't. Listen to that story like, then. How many of going, our listeners who were just sitting back and just going, wow. You know, and Nick was right. I was worried this morning about a bee biting me or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And you, you know. turn around and look against yeah. all odds. Mm. That we are sitting amongst to just so this. much love yeah. Yeah. and so much that you give back yeah. to the community and those beyond is. But I think you, I think also you can underestimate what you were feeling fearing that that's your world. Mm. You know, um, that this part was my world. Yes. Now that I've been in Australia, I can be fear of being ah. in me. You know? So <laughs> I was, I, yeah, it is. So yeah, I can yeah. relate to that. So oh. um, before war, I, I didn't. Fear anything else. Yeah. So, yeah. And what about, as Nick was yeah. saying, how about you How's know, the settling, Aussie journey? Settling then? here. Oh, really? the Aussie yeah. journey was <laughs> like, uh, it was so, like, seriously. It was really beautiful in a mm. way because mm. I had not grown up with any kind of curiosity about me. Yeah. Um, when I came, I was living around Penshurst mm. and I was very interested why people are, are curious about me. Mm. The way they would look at me on my hair, I'm like, oh, this wow. is this is cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and going to school, yeah. so I went to school, um, <laughs> but I went to church and I met my beautiful spiritual family, who I adore, who are Australian, um, the Dwyers, and I oh. think that was a really beautiful foundation for me yes. because mm. they were Good the first point. people that saw me, not saw the story. Right. You know, so that was very wonderful wow. to yeah. have that. It's a that. great line, though. Yeah, yeah. So it is. Not the story. Yeah, yeah. it's my story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful yeah. words. Never, never did. Yeah. And, Who am and, I? and then I started, that's how I started getting involved with UNHCR because my spiritual dad mm. is was a chair. He started the, old, started the UNHCR in Australia. But I, the journey, I think the journey in Australia, now that I look at it, I go like, oh, wow, that was what people were thinking. Mm. I was the only black girl at my school, but I didn't know I was black. Right. In, a, in a way, because we don't really see the colors. Yeah, we mm. see white people in Africa. We're like, oh, that's a white person. But we don't have anything around it. And I think because in Sierra Leone, where I come from, we, did, we were not taught about race. Mm. So it didn't touch me. It didn't bother me. How wonderful. So when people, wonderful. Were, when people would say healthy, comment, healthy, yeah, healthy, healthy but I could tell something was wrong. And, I, and because, again, <laughs> I was raised by my father. Like, I, if I go somewhere, somebody doesn't like it. And I go like, well, they can leave. I don't need to leave. They are the ones that have the issue. So I think something was built with me back home that I didn't have words for that helped me here in Australia. I didn't struggle as much. There was a... A lot of time, of course, I came and I was on Centrelink. Getting, I remember getting two hundred and seventy dollar, and I pay my rent, my bill, 
And then I'll, I'll be starving. But I'm thinking, why am I starving when they say this place is a place I, sh- I cannot starve? Even in Africa, I never starve, only during the war. So there was a lot of conversation with myself. And then when kids would ask me at school, have you seen lions? Mm-hmm. Have you, do you sleep next to yeah. hippo? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I look at them, I, I think they, what is going on? And I, I'll actually say to them, yes, I've seen lions. And, uh, and they'll go, when? I'm like, in Taranko Zoo. Because <laughs> I have really honestly never I seen lions see before. Yes, yeah. but I think one the one thing that <laughs> got me, great. I remember uh, one <laughs> of the kids asked me if I've ha- if I've eaten rat, mm. ah. and it's like poison for us mm. in Africa. You can't eat rat, mm. and I'm like, why is he? Why are they asking yeah, if I've eaten rat? Yeah. And I didn't get it. So I remember going home and I was watching TV, <laughs> and then mm-hmm. I saw this advertisement come on mm. with Wall Vision. Mm. And I saw this boy, I still remember, the boy was wearing like a red top in a bush holding a rat. Oh. And then I go, oh, this is why they asked me if I've eaten rat. Oh, so I, I went, I was my $270, yes. $70. <laughs> I, start, I call World Vision and start donating. Because <gasps> I'm like, they can't eat rat. Uh, so I sponsored. I start sponsoring. So you started oh, sponsoring in, in, wow. um, in Senegal. Yeah. In Senegal. In uh, I remember in Swaziland. But I didn't know. I'm like, oh, this is what these kids are seeing. They're asking me this question yes. right. because of what they see. But That's people don't ad. eat rats. But here you are, the person with yeah. probably the least yes. amount of financially, and yeah. you're sponsoring yeah, so somebody. I thought, they, I thought they, they would die. I thought it. they would die. I'm like, man, these kids Against are going to die. Um, but so I think. Yeah, I think they were beaten pieces that was really, really hard, but I, I, we all go through hard times. Yeah. But life. you rise above it, no doubt. You just have that incredible ability, all those tools on board. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of rising, yeah. the book, Rising Heart. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. just a wonderful book, you know, yeah. which I was just saying could share some. But can you sort of tell us a bit then, you know, when you met your husband? Ah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's French, is that correct? Yeah, he's yeah. from um, Brittany. He's from Brest in France. Oh, beautiful. Um, I met my husband in 2007. It was one of those days, um, it was my ex-boyfriend's birthday. <laughs> we all love that, don't we? <laughs> and, uh, and, we and I have a beautiful relationship with my ex-boyfriend and the family. And right. then they said, oh, we, we, we're we going to go for dinner. I'm like, oh, no. And I just said, no. Which, in our culture, no is like, a, it's like the easiest thing to, to say. And then I went to, I love going out by myself. So I'm one of those people wow. you meet in a nice restaurant, sitting by herself for four hours. Wow. I love it. I still do it. I adore it. Oh. So we're yeah. just learning, aren't yeah. we? You know? yeah. I love it so much. It's my favorite <laughs> thing to do. And I went to Bondi and I was sitting at the beach and I just, just by myself. And then I got in a train and I, as I was and the train, the train stopped at Circular Quay and I just jumped out. And I went to um, the opera bar and listening to music. And the moment I started walking home, Antoine came up to me and said, hi, I'm I said, hi. And I thought he wanted me to take a photo. And he's like, no, I want to stay with you and talk. Can I stay with you tonight? Oh. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then um, we, spent, we spent three hours. He didn't speak any English, but I understood French. Oh, so we spent three hours talking wow. and we became friends and we started seeing each other. And then he went to France. But when he went to France, he had left a letter on That's my in the book. Yeah. How yeah, long? Yeah. He left a letter. For almost five years, I didn't see the letter until oh. we reconnect again. So, yeah, so the letter was in my drawer and then... Um, was that a love fought, letter too? Yeah, it's a love letter. It was in, oh, it's been had you been in touch with him during that? We were talking as friends. So when he went back to France, he called me a lot. He thinks I've seen the letter. And I was just saying, hi, how are you? I hope you... So we're just chatting. <laughs> and then six months later. Yeah, so <laughs> he, he called me right away when he got in, in France and... 
but he didn't get any kind of response. It was more like a friend. So he thought I had read the letter and I, I didn't feel the same way. Ah. So almost it's five like years. Yeah, yeah, almost five mm-hmm. years after we reconnect again, we start talking and he was coming to visit me in Australia. Mm-hmm. And then I was going to go visit him back. So I was getting my passport ready. I'm on the phone with him. And then I opened this paper. And I could tell by the running right because he had drawn an African map. And he was trying to write in English because he never wrote in English <laughs> yeah. before. And it was like, uh-huh. in t- it's been 28 days and, and writing all this. There. And then I, I'm like, did you ever leave a letter for me? He's like, yes. And I just hung up <laughs> and Aww. read the thing. I'm like, oh, my, I didn't see the letter. I still, we still have it. That's beautiful. How did that develop into the book, Rising Heart? Like, tell me how how that started for you. I've been always been asked to write a book, but I didn't want to. I was not ready. You are timing. Timing is everything. Timing is uh, it it is everything. I was not ready, and I was. I just felt like I wanted to do something in life for me to write it can't just be what happened to me no no you know i didn't want just that so when the book came i had done documentary i have done so many things i felt Mm. like okay i have kids now my story will be told by my voice and they will know my stories and then i can tell a story of my people and then if a young person in Sierra Leone see read that book. They know mm. that they are capable of doing anything that they want to. So mm. that's how it came about. So by the time we were ready to write it, um, it was just perfect. It was really, it really was. And was so it cathartic for you to explore that in words? Explore I don't, your I don't, life through words? Yeah, I don't think I've, it's really sunk in yet <laughs> with my wow. book. Yeah, it's really, um, I think... Building my foundation was like so. Tell us for about me. that too, because yeah. was that from the epiphany you had? Was that when you had the birth yeah, of your my daughter? daughter? Yes. yes. Sarah, what, what happened there? She was five kilo. Five kilo. In five kilo. They didn't Jeez. check the weight, and she. We almost lost her. We almost lost her, and she break her uh, um, shoulder, and. Again, this is it, during birth. During birth. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I remember um, the doctor coming to visit me four times in the four days I was in the hospital. She was perfect. Like, even though yeah. her hand was broken, she was just perfect. She was sleeping and eating. They were not sure if she was all right. Yeah. Um, and I think I went home because I've never heard the word maternal mortality. I've never heard. So I just went on Google and find out, and it was just really so heartbreaking because for me, I have gone to war, and sadly, we're not going to end war. That's mm. just the fact. But birth, it just didn't make sense to me that a woman would die during childbirth. And being in the West, all I hear is children are the future. Mm. And I'm thinking about which children? Are they the one just here in the West? Not the one in Africa? Mm. Um, yeah, and I had seven doctors to make sure that Sarafina survived, I survived. In Sierra Leone, they have less than eight obstetrician in the same population of New South Wales. Wow. So it is the w- most dangerous place for any woman to give birth in the world. One in seven. In the world. In the world. In the world. Every day, it's not getting better. One Did you say one in seven? one in seventeen women so would die in childbirth? That's incredible. In um, in, in awful, Australia, it's one it? to eight thousand seven hundred. But it's just the simplest thing. I think for me, the reason why I'm so passionate about it, mm-hmm. we can't do anything in this life without motherhood. 
Yeah. Every single person comes through that journey. It's the one thing that we don't have to research about. It's not a disease. Mm. It can be fixed. A woman needs to go to a hospital and have the same rights and deliver the baby safely. And again, somebody can quote me to be wrong, but I genuinely believe that if we don't solve maternal birth, you know, we birth everything that exists, that breathes into this world. Every single, I always say motherhood should mark a beginning, not an end. But if your motherhood was to mark an end, would you be here? Would I be here? Well, that's true. That's None true. of us yeah. would be here. So for me, I think it sometimes wow me when people don't understand what that means. Like, this is not a poverty issue. Every woman deserves to have, go, a, yeah, to have a, ba- a healthy baby. Was, was that the fire in your belly then? Actually, I'm getting to really pretty mm. ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> because as soon as I found out, I was like, I want to build a hospital. Yeah. And, and then my spiritual dad, mm. he just looked at me and said, oh, oh. <laughs> and, and I did, I, did, I right. just go like, I want to build a hospital. And I had like, because I'm dyslexic, yes. you yeah. know, so I had people telling me it's impossible. But it, the impossible was not like I could not do it because they know working international, it is damn hard. Mm. when you're not a bigger organization. Yeah. And I was starting something with no zero knowledge apart from having a baby. Mm. And it, it was really, really difficult. I think that was the first time I felt like an other. Mm. It ah. was the first time in Australia mm. that I felt like, oh, what do you mean you're going to build a foundation? Do you, you have a qualification? Mm. You knew you could do it, but yes. other people, well, other the contributing idea for factors. Me from, when I say I, I'm, I, I want to do something, I'm not saying like me. I'm just a pusher. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. dream. It was. With it's a belief. universal. Yeah. You know, yeah. I can't do you anything by myself. You, yeah, but you know, you're the yeah. cheerleader. All the cheerleader. Yeah, and I didn't know anything. I didn't. I didn't. But and I just wanted have. to learn. And yes. you've done that. And yeah. you've just made. So what? Tell us what's happened now back in Motherland. Like so in Sierra Leone, we have a. The hospital that we work with is a private hospital that uh, provides free health care, the poor of the poorest. So it's the second busiest maternal hospital in the country. 96% of staff are Sierra Leone, and I'm very focused about that because the reason why Africa has been so be where it is today is because we get the West to go do the job. We need the people of the country to do the job themselves. So we hired 96% of the staff as Sierra Leonean. So when case like Ebola and COVID happen, the hospital operate. And do you it's educate the them? Yes. Yeah, so there's educational programs. Sierra Leone have the highest um, teenage pregnancy because of Ebola. So there's a lot of teenage pregnant in pregnancy rates. So we also give them educational program three days a week. They come to the hospital. We we'll provide. Um, transportation because they will not come if they don't have transportation or provide meal for them which makes them to come so we do that and once they have their baby we also become an employee to get job for them so because the reason why they probably sleep with a man it's because they don't have food to eat it's one of the poorest countries in the world so we try to not only provide them safe birth we give them that educational program while they're coming back during those times, three times a week, we're training them some skills because once they get that, there's no way they're going to sell their independency to get their own money and look after their own children. It's a win-win situation. And I think around, some of those yeah. skills probably from the words of your dad mm. now and like I was reading in your book too with mm. the Dream Team. Too. Yes, so the dream tell team us girls. about that. Like yeah. it's just like so inspirational the Dream Team stuff. girls, really inspirational, but they're heartbreaking because they're girls mm. between nine years old to nine, 18 pregnant. It breaks oh, my heart. Oh, uh, but it's so incredible when you see these girls that have gone through this process, the way they talk to you, they're confident. 
the the light like like i don't even think I'm, people think i'm confident i don't even think i have that kind of confidence like the the whole being that they've known something so small you give them a, a hope of mustard they are taking it and running with it the way they say i want to be a doctor I want to be a president. They will say it's so confident that they, it's like you fake it until you believe it. But then you can't say any doubt in their head. How does that make you feel it when you it, it's, witness that? It's really, I, mean, I, I know was how not, I'm yeah, I know. I was, it was not something that I was ready for at all. When I went to Syria, I just go like, oh, I just want to help. And when I remember w- walking into the hospital, they were all staring at me. <laughs> and I wasn't sure and they go like oh you're real I'm like what do you mean they they go like they've been googling me <laughs> and they go like but you're younger because they don't have the concept that somebody young as me can go and give back home do it. and yes. they also used to somebody that doesn't look like me mm, yes that's right so it really the perfect example yeah to live up to. so it was really eye-opening for me and and these girls the way they the eyes lit up the way they would just walk around, and some of them that have never used even a proper toilet, the way they would use the stove and cook a meal, because now they go into hospitality. It I don't think I can put into words like the way the way I'm feeling. So the only way I, when I go through headache here in Australia, <laughs> I go like, okay, I can go through headache just because of them. Of course, because it is worth it. It is so worth it to know that most of them I will never know, but their lives will change, and I don't even want them to know me. It's just, uh, I mean, to be of service that kind of way, it's pure blessing. I yeah. mean, to get on the plane and leave that, knowing mm. that you, you were formative yeah. and setting that up. I mean, when that cl- plane door closes, what do you feel? Like, I feel seriously? so I feel so energized. I can't even begin to yeah. imagine. It, it's really like, it's one thing to talk about it. It's another to live it, to go there and see. Um, mm. Most of the time that I've gone, I've taken a lot of my Australian friends gone there. It's, you cannot put it to words. You you really oh. cannot. And every time, as I said, every time I feel down or feel being beaten by mm. difficulty here, I just look at one of the baby's <laughs> eyes and they're absolutely oh, delicious. I swear, you and look at them. And it just washes yeah. over you. How do yeah. we support you? Like, is, is it through fundraising? Through fundraising, I think, spreading the words because the most challenges that I find in Australia, I think it's Australians are used to helping only Australia mm. and they think they beyond that they can't help. It's kind of a way of thinking. Like, we have a lot of problems here too. Mm. But there is so much you can do, mm. you know. So I think when it comes to thinking of new ideas, if anything that I've taught us is COVID, that we're more alike than oh, we're on a life. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, so there's so much. Uh, that yes. There is no way I'm able to give back home because I, because of Aust- because I've been in Australia and I've given back to Australia and I'm co- I'll continue to give because this is my home. But we have to be thinking beyond that, mm. you know, because Australia is the last place that I ever think thought that I would come. You don't mm. know where your child will no. end up being. No. You don't know. We don't know. That's I think the world's true. become closer it's now through yeah. the internet, internet that we're, we're yeah. more connected. Mm. And, Definitely. And what about your kids? Because you've got yeah. Aussie kids, haven't you? Yes, yeah. yeah. I've got Aussie no, kids. Yeah. Yeah. Real oh, Aussie veggie sandwiches. Yes. And, <laughs> yeah, wow. No, my kids are wonderful. Um, Australia is a beautiful country, but I think we've got to be more open to the work outside out of, out of here I agree yeah. with that yeah. I really I I truly agree yeah. like I'm yeah. really because I've been mm. here for 23 years and I've I've done a lot conversation wise and mm. in, in being the advocate for this cause mm. where it's hard to get the resource mm. I always say now to people when I speak I'm like I'm exhausted with the praise because I get oh. so much the praise but not the, the resource or for me wow, to do that's an amazing yeah. for me to do yeah. what, I, what right. I'm meant to do that people yeah. think that I'm such a, 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 a incredible human being for sure. mm. so now when I speak but to corporate and speak I'm like mm. if your praise can come with a resource that you yes. give to mm. another mm. 
and that'll be then my really job's done. Yeah, my job yeah, is done. Well I can done. do my job even better. Passion for fashion. Yes. You know, so tell us about that. It's funny, when I came to Australia, <laughs> I would be invited to something, I would dress mm. my best outfit, and mm. I would go people wearing thongs. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking like, <laughs> and, which is fun, mm, mm, but it was, it was like, people used to be like overdressed. I'm like, no, this is not overdressed. So because in our culture, <laughs> my dad would always say, you always have to look your best because the word when people say, oh, nobody cares about what you wear, that's just a lie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's not true. true. It's yeah. really not true. Yeah. And we have to be realistic with that. And the presentation for yourself is so such a, a respect to yourself also mm, totally. and mm. the way somebody can treat you yes. because we all know we can be treated differently mm. by the way we appeared mm -hmm. and I think that's important to be taught to back home we were really taught that way mm. but also the culture of African like most of the time people see me they go like oh you always dress up but I'm not my being just pick up things and colors and just put it on we don't care about colors people mm. go like oh this color suits you more no, mm. everybody can wear what they want to wear. So when I came to Australia, <laughs> I could not afford good clothes. I went to work for David Lawrence. Yes. Fashion for us is an expression for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think in the West, it's expression for others. So it, what's it, that store you're involved mm. in? Oh, is fashion? it a social outfit? Yeah, uh, that's social, amazing. Yes, I'm on the board of that. So we, God, we, what are you not on the board oh, of? Yeah. God's no, sake. I'm only yeah, on one board. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love the concept behind this store. Yes, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's absolutely wonderful. We employ refugees and migrants. And this is a good educational piece for Australians because when people think of refugees, they think people are coming to take things. A lot of men and women were lawyers, were doctors, mm -hmm. yes. had professional, have been taking care of their family. When they come to Australia, it's not valid anymore. Mm -hmm. So most of these people go through really deep depression because they can't provide, they can't speak the language. So what we do at Social Outfit, we have uh, Bia Spenda is one of our, is our ambassador. We get a lot of the waste uh, materials from a lot of top designers and we employ refugees and migrants to do the sewing and sell the clothes. So and it's the clothes so, are gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, it's gorgeous. Fantastic. Yeah. I love it. Can we absolutely. follow that too? Is it yeah, okay? it's called the, the social, the, the social outfit. And you've been in a few fashion magazines and you've been <laughs> in covers. Nothing was a fan She's been as well. everywhere, I mean, man. Is it pretty like, cool wow. or not really? You know, really? I love, I love fashion. I just love dressing good. I wake up in the morning, I look at myself and I say, Thank you for creating me. Thanks to my mom and dad for me to look the way I look. Um, um, I look yeah. at myself. I really do. And I, and I tell myself, I'm like, thank you for being. Because I know all the time we use the word taking things for granted. But to be able to wake up and stand up. And, then, and this is why I named my book Rising Heart. Because the, the moment you're able to get off bed, you should just say thank you to the universe <sighs> or to whatever you believe. Because it is super privileged. People go to the hospital. They can't get up. Things happen. We should not wait for that. And it doesn't have to. This is not um, gratitude. Thing. It's just to say I'm breathing. To be able to live another day, another birthday. Yeah. To be able to. It's not a, it's not it's a pep talk. It, for me, I wake up literally before my eyes goes up. I'm like, I'm here. I'm alive. Just use me to be something wow. greater and really thank you for being alive. I do, it's become part thank of my- Thank you for being alive. Yeah. Thank you for being I, alive. I think we say that on behalf thank of you for, a, lot yeah. of a lot of people. people yeah. right now. Thank you for yeah. choosing to come yeah. to Australia. <laughs> Even though we probably would have and, heard and, you and, on you know, We're going to wind too, up, but, but I just wanted mm. to know, just for the listeners mm. to know that she was actually the first African Australian mm. to speak at the National 
mm. Press Club in Australia on the subject of restoring dignity to humanity yeah. mm. and one woman's ultimate purpose. That is such an honour, honestly. Mm. You're so young. We can't wait to see what's ahead of you. Yeah, I can't wait to see what's ahead of you. That's so true. Yeah. You know, like that. And just in your, your way of gratitude mm. and forgiveness. Because yeah. would you say that's a key as well for oh, you? Well, you can't give gratitude if you can't forgive. Mm. It just doesn't work. I think forgiveness, it, it's something that I think we've been misinterpret what it means. Totally. Because it, it is purely a gift to yourself. And yeah. also when you forgive people, bless them. Like, wish them well. Like, yeah. don't yes. go like, I forgive no. you. But, oh. Step them back. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. Like, and sometimes we want to. We can say yes, that too, yeah. we're human. But just make sure you wish them well. Because to you're setting yourself well. free. Yeah, and to know that you're not going to be thinking about that yep. hurt. Yes. Yeah. So it doesn't affect you. It's a, it's, a, it's a liberation for your life, for your mind. So you yeah. speak all day. They're that. just wisdoms and gems and whatever. So oh, now we've you. got a couple of um, you know special questions that Ooh, we have. Like and uh, do you want to go with the first one? She, Daddy 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 Daddy. Daddy. <laughs> she loves questions. Oh, good. Okay. If you had the opportunity to meet your 20-year-old self, mm. What would you like to say to her? Oh my God! I know. <laughs> I would say, I would say, I will not change anything about my children. I would say, do exactly what you're doing, oh. because I was fully, and I only, I was fully content, even though it was difficult. I was here in Australia; it was challenging, but I didn't see the difficulty. But I will not change because, yeah, just do what you were doing. Oh, oh like, you know honestly. What? I'll tell you this much. You're the first person to say that. Yeah. So our next one yes. is, <laughs> if you could share a back fence with anybody on planet Earth, who would it be and why? I, if I would share a back fence, I would share with my father. I knew oh, it. Yeah. I knew it. Oh, and yes. what was your it's dad's like name? Yeah, yeah, Conte. Yeah, yeah, Conte. It's oh, like yeah, yeah, Conte would be so proud of you, and <laughs> I'm sure he is all, he's around. Yeah, oh. he is. And uh, look, you know, thank yeah. you so much it's for incredible. coming on today. Pure you know, you joy. just have been <laughs> you know, incredible. You really yeah. have been. Against thank all you. odds, you rise above it. Yeah, rising heart. Well, our hearts are full. Just, yeah. Yeah. They really are, like, listening yeah. to you. Absolutely. So, you know, you've certainly um, some yeah. words of wisdom, and you're just living it. Uh, so, we you know, we're really honoured. Thank you so much. And thank you so much. And we'll put all the, you know, the places that know it's on our show notes so mm-hmm. we can help support you in every way yeah. thank you yeah, absolutely so, um, thank you yeah. so much and uh, so thank you everyone for listening yeah. and we'll be back Here in your ears next Monday here we go again next Monday yeah, <laughs> yeah. so like how many stars do we want Daddy? We I decided to, um, on um, not too many 1,250 okay <laughs> well that's, I think that's all we'll stick with five but um, you know like yeah we appreciate uh, all your, your, your we following love, we love and doing this and so yeah, we can't wait to, to chat with you all again yeah, next Monday yeah. ciao ciao bye 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 Bye. Bye.